1: You're listening to the best of Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Landon Coons and Shay Guy joining us this morning. Working the promotions, doing a nice job setting us up engineering-wise as well. Mark Dykton back in studio. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen. And a guy that Kevin says is mowing the field. I say he's just blowing moisture off the field uh, but either way, gorgeous morning here at Grand Park for Colts Camp on this Tuesday, the first of August. Good morning to you on Kevin and query here on 935-1075 the fan.
2: Colts linebacker EJ Speed going to join us here in just a second. We did see Shaquille Leonard dial back that workload just a little bit yesterday, Jake. He did not take part in the team drill, still participated in all the rest of the areas of practice. Uh, Shane Steichen said just part of the plan I think today is supposed to be probably their most active and physical day of camp so I'm curious if kind of you know, leading into that they just wanted to dial it back just a hair with Shaq um, but that was a little bit of an alteration from what we've seen from him early on here through the first uh, four practice days of camp. Can
1: I tell you one crazy theory that I have I'll give it to you in a second after EJ Speed joins us but in regards to injuries remind me that I have a conspiracy theory, Kevin. Okay,
2: all right. I know it's You, you seem to have, have a lot. EJ, if you don't mind, throw on that headset. And uh, EJ Speed is with us here, live in
3: Grand
1: Park.
2: Have. Now, can I say this, Kevin? We're supposed
1: to be objective, right? Sure. And this is going to be uncomfortable. It's not even 8.30 in the morning, and I'm going to make this poor guy feel uncomfortable, okay? My favorite colt, EJ Speed. Oh, wow. Appreciate it. And I'll tell you why. I've always liked guys, EJ, that... Come in and,
2: EJ. He says this to everybody. By the way, that's right. You're the seventh player. No, I've always liked guys though, that come <laughs> no, no. in
1: and are just willing to do whatever. Like, like. It just seems to me that you're the kind of guy that came in and said I- i'm cool with whatever my role is and then by just going about and doing that and not worrying too much on what that role is but making sure that you do it well that opened up for you more opportunities where you became a swiss army knife kind of guy now am
4: i overstating that nah you you actually hit it right on the nail i think well i i think my role was more precise than you think just because how how deep our linebacking corps was. When I came in with, like, Ibra Flus and, um, and uh, Bubba, it was kind of like, I right, look here, do this special teams thing, you know what I mean? Work your way into the defense, and then, you know, everything could be great. So I just dedicated my time and efforts into it, and uh, I flourished in, the, in that role.
2: EJ, to that point, I feel like you've got to be itching to play more. Like, I, I think back to the Christmas game in Arizona during the COVID year and how important you were mm-hmm. in that win. Um, I think back to you. I mean, I know the opener last year is not one that a lot of people want to talk about, but mm-hmm. you had a huge play in that game that kind of changed the, the direction of that one. Are, do you feel like you're just kind of itching to say, all right, I, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a development for me in mm-hmm. the NFL, but I'm ready for a bigger role?
4: No, nah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, it's definitely time to get that role into play and just let it let me flourish within the role so i mean it's coming together it's coming together i don't want to seem like you know that anything that that i do i don't want to seem like i'm just expecting or whatever like that but i'm just gonna let my hard work take its course and i've been doing that since i've been in the league i mean i go in the off offseason i work harder than anybody and so when i come into the season you know that's just i'm just reaping what i sow
2: do you view kind of Shaq's health as having like an <clears throat> impact on how much you will play this season
4: uh yeah I try not to get into that like I said I just try to like you know just roll with the punch whatever in front of me on my plate I just take it and, and you know I just eat within that role so um if 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 uh d Leonard can't go then I'll be ready to step up like I always been if he can go I mean I'll rally behind him and I know I mean he's a hell of a player so he'll do his thing and then um I got roles within myself also when Shaq is on the field so um you know, that's just what it is. Are you so,
2: surprised by the amount of work he's done out here through? No, nah, I'm not surprised, actually.
4: Up? You know, me and me – and, real transparent. We talk every day. So, um, I mean, I already knew how, how much he was uh, coming along within the offseason and all that type of stuff. I watched him at OTAs. So, I mean, we check up. we we brothers, so we talk all the time. So, uh, I wasn't surprised when he came out and he was ready to go and he made some plays this count. camp.
1: Is it kind of hard, though, because the reality is this. The reality is that if he – and let's just say he is going to, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to be held. He goes. You guys as a defense are obviously, you know, strengthened. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't go. It's better personally for you, probably, because even more opportunity. And yet, you've got to know kind of which way you're going here in terms of how many reps you're going to get. Has that been difficult to wade through?
4: Uh, not difficult. Like I mean, it just. I mean, I, I mean, how many how many years have I been backing up? Building up Probably like four or five right so um i mean at this point it's it's the career like i accept i accept my role in my career not into a fact of like i'm complacent within it Mm -hmm. but you know if that's the role then that's the role and we got to go out there and win regardless and fortunately i've had chances where i can step up and show guys that like okay he is a guy that we can count on when when it's needed so um so yeah i mean I'm more accepting and, and just more grateful than anything within being able to be in a role and, and be important to an organization.
2: Is it crazy to you at all? And by the way, EJ Speed joined us here live at Grand Park, practice number five for the Colts coming mm-hmm. up at 10. I think I have this right. You're the only guy left from your draft class still
4: here. Nah, uh, Doolin. Well, I guess he was undrafted.
2: Undrafted guy, yeah, but undrafted. Of, your, of your But, yeah, of my draft, draft class group. for sure, yeah. I am
4: the only one. Me and Doolin actually talk about that all the time. Is we that joke something about you, it.
2: do you find it like – damn, this is life in the NFL, or Mm. is it more of like, I'm proud of that you know of the eight or nine guys like I clearly did something because the staff changed. I mean mm-hmm. Gus has come in here and clearly he's very high on you he speaks very highly of mm-hmm. you in front of us and they re-signed you last year yeah. um, how do you kind of view that of you know a guy that is a day three draft pick usually those aren't the ones that yeah. stay here longer than anybody else in their draft class I
4: mean I'm, I'm definitely honorable about it like I, um, I always wanted I mean I stayed at Towson State all of my years at Towson State um, I always wanted to to retire with a, with a squad that drafted me it always been a dream of mine I always thought it was cool like to see like players who were like legendary to a team like T.Y. Hilton like growing up playing you know like if you go pick the Colts on Madden you playing with T.Y. Yeah, Hilton Robert like, Mathis, Reggie yeah Lane. it's yeah. like it's kind of like that so it's like um so that was always a profitable thing of, me, of mine like to 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 retire with a team that drafted me I think is big so uh with me to have a second contract and a chance to have a third Coats, if I do everything right and all the chips and stuff fall, will fall in the right place. Um, I'm definitely honorable on it. You know what I mean. So I'm proud of it for sure.
2: There has been one defensive player that I think we would label as under the radar. Maybe you wouldn't. That I feel like has really stood out through the first four days of camp. To me, I guess I'll speak for myself. Who do you think I'm talking about?
4: Uh. Defensive today. Everybody been making plays. A
2: little bit under the radar. Tell, guy. Me why?
4: Tell me why I've been doing this thing too. I was
2: gonna go with Daryl
4: Baker Jr. at corner. Oh, DJ. Yeah, D- actually DJ been doing this for a long term.
2: Like he's a star I mean, he's a starter nah, he in been, your nickel package. He got long right
4: arms, now. he's hella athletic, yeah. In shape. Like DJ he been doing that for a long time. Even when he was on practice squad last year, he was making plays in practice and stuff like that. So, um, so that's that's why you. I really didn't hit me. Yeah. I thought you was gonna go for Ricky Rob. But sure, I've been sure, seeing sure. DJ do that for a long time. DJ, he legit with it for sure. Do you guys get caught up in everything
1: that takes place away from the field? The Jonathan Taylor situation, for example, mm-hmm. and all the conversation on that is it a distra- is it a distraction?
4: Uh, nah, it's it's uncontrollable. Like I mean, y'all pro- y'all hear more more news about it than we do actually because. I mean, both sides aren't really too transparent. We just look on Twitter and be like, oh, this happened today. You know what I mean? So, um, we definitely – I mean, me personally, JT is one of my favorite teammates. He's been since he came in. He's done everything right. I love JT. And um, hopefully both sides can come to an agreement. Does
1: he – and I realize the other side of the ball, so it's not like you're in meetings with him. Yeah. But have you seen it impact him emotionally?
4: <laughs> not really. I haven't talked to him about it. Um, I mean, when he's when he's around the building, he's doing everything that he needs to do around the building, within it, whether it's rehab or lifting or whatever like that. So, um, you know, I haven't talked to him. I mean, I need to have that conversation with him just as a teammate that has been here for a while. I need to have that conversation with him. But I haven't yet, so I can't really be transparent on how he's feeling.
1: For you personally, would, would the career of EJ Speed to this point have gone and had the same success if you had come out of – Texas or Alabama or USC, or it is coming out of Tarleton State, a smaller school, being a little bit off the radar, did that instill in you a little bit of a chip that you can still carry today?
4: Uh, definitely. Tarleton State, I had a um, strength conditioning coach named Coach Cole, and he was very humble. and older man had been there for a long time. He's a legendary guy at Tarleton. And, you know, he just always preached, like like, day by day, just do the things that you need to do to be who you are. You never really just... Chase, chase like what other people got going on or anything like that. So, Tarleton really cultured me into the man I am today when it comes to football and how I approach the game, just in the fact of, like, keep your head down and keep grinding. Because, you know, Tarleton isn't like a a, a widely recognized school. You know, like, you playing football, you playing well, you don't even know if the league is looking. When when you got drafted,
1: I'm not going to lie, most people's reaction (laughs) was, "Now where is that exactly? Where is
4: that You know, so, like, you know, you just head down grinding the whole time. You don't know if if the NFL is even watching. You have 16 times and don't even know if anybody's seen it. So um, that kind of like that kind of shaped my mentality towards the game. Just focus on now, focus on what's in front of you, and just let everything else play its part.
2: EJ, could you explain your draft story for our audience out there? Because how the Colts tell it is like they really didn't know much, if anything, about you until your pro day. Yeah, you know this is not you aren't a combine guy Mm -hmm. you know this is not something where you know to your point you know a lot of people are watching you in college so walk me through maybe like january to april of that draft cycle what you thought was going to happen and then obviously what happened at your pro
4: day Uh, i talked to a few teams within the uh the draft cycle or whatever like that when it became available for the teams to talk to us i talked to a few teams and then um I actually worked out in front of the coach. I guess they came to a pro day or whatever like that, and I barely talked to the coach until my 30-man visit. I came in, and um, once I looked up the roster, you know, Darius had just came off that rookie – the rookie of the year, um, and I just looked and I was like, bro, all my measurables is just like, there's my agent actually pointed out. He was like, all your measurables is just like they're all pro player that they just had. So it could be a chance that, you know, the Colts take a bid on you and just see. And then once I had a, a conversation with the organization, I felt like we all, we both seen eye to eye and we, we just met on what it was. And then Ballard told me, all right, when you come in, you know, you got to prove it you got to prove and now he sent me the um and I actually sent it back to him every at the start of every camp he sent me my D plus grade or whatever like that that I had as a as a um as a draft pick it was like a D plus grade they said that I was weak or whatever like that so um so yeah it was definitely a, a process and it put a chip on my shoulder through that whole process and kind of still does because that none of that was true about who i really was as a player
2: pretty so. impressive story now going into year five again re-signed with the colts here this off season and outside of the undrafted ashton Doolin. he's the last man from that 2019 draft class ej stay healthy this season appreciate the time here on this tuesday morning uh and enjoy practice number five
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: Alright, thank you.
2: Alright, here we are, Colt's training camp. And Joel e. Erickson joins us here, and Joel is—he's brought some gifts. And, and Mark, uh, this is something that uh, I think you will be a fan of. Again, Joel and I had a friendly wager on the Reds and Brewers series, and by the way, things have turned since then, Joel. Uh, the Reds and Brewers series from last—I get—was it last week or two weeks ago at this point? Uh, out of the All-Star break, right? Yeah, last or week. No, it was. It was. End of the month. month, they had another one out of the All-Star break, okay. but uh, the Brewers take two of three from the Reds. Uh, Jake, I gave Joel a six pack of beer. Ha- have you consumed any of the beverages?
0: Yes, it's it's a real good IPA. That Hustle okay. IPA is like it's like a nice clear crisp one. It's pretty good. So for the Hustle summer.
2: IPA from Rhinegeist. Okay. I felt like the beer, twist. It's got, you know, the baseball stitches on the ball. Um, I thought it was a good-looking can and also I was curious about the taste. So that's good to hear. Now you have brought me
0: something. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the the bet was I think Mark was trying to get us to do like a shirt. Uh, yeah, no, nah, it was. It was, was I was a little turned off by uh, that. But it was it was whoever's team won, the other one had to wear a shirt, and uh, I, I could make you try to wear this one. This is, oh wow, this is the sun's out, guns out when it's ninety degrees or higher. Make but sure the camera sees that. That's yeah, a, is that extra a small? <laughs> <laughs> this like, is this like is a, a medium. This is a medium, but I yeah, I, I think didn't want would
2: fit Max for dinner. I didn't want to do yeah. that
0: to KB. I, I was wearing that the last Brewers Reds game I was at. But this this one we'll ju- we'll just go with the old standard, a little bit bigger, you know. All right, All right. It's, That's it's performance
2: too, so okay. it's not going to like make you too hot. I, I, I am, you know, I think Mark will get on me if I don't. I'm willing to put that on. You're. Wi- <laughs> I think you I'm have to put the other one on. You have Should to. I, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Jake's seen me shirtless, <laughs> so I'll, this won't be the first no, time. No, no, what's the other one here? What do we got? Let me see. Well, the other one's just kind of your 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 so Nike standard. T-shirt, t-shirt, you know, yeah. hold on, your Nike T-shirt. You know, yeah. nice. But what what size we got on this? Large. Large, and that one's which? No, now that you say that, it looks like an extra small. No, it's says medium. We got a medium. No, you know, I'm gonna, medium. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, put it on.
1: Yeah, you got to go with the
2: medium. Right. <laughs> you got, you guys talk about some things. I'm gonna change shirts here.
1: Okay? See, I'm old enough to, that my favorite <laughs> brewers were Cecil Cooper and Robin Yount.
0: Oh, see, Yount. When I first started, when my dad first started taking me to games, I'm allowed to take off my shirt with a media credential on? I'm a little. you <laughs> to kick me out. stop right there between the, uh, right around the corner. All uh, right. Yount was on the very tail end. Because I'm from way up north in Wisconsin. So we would, go to, we would go to the Metrodome for Twins Brewers games. And it was like Kirby Puckett when the Twins were really good. And then Yount was in his like late so 30s. So you
1: did, did you see Winfield play? Uh, oh, no, Winfield was a Blue Jay. I'm sorry. I was thinking Twins.
0: I, I remember those teams because Actually, of, uh, that, that doesn't... That's, <laughs> Landon, get the camera back on this. <laughs> The shirt fills out well. It fills out well. Here's
1: what's scary. (laughs) What's scary is you actually look like half the state of Wisconsin.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God, Kevin. What's scary about
1: this? Excluding Mark, ex- this is all your idea. I know. At 70 pounds, and you are the biggest Wisconsinite ever.
2: Rick Venturi is looking horrified behind you, Coach. I apologize. A bet's a bet. You got you, Rick, Rick Venturi's come over, sorry. Coach. Coach, I, I'm sorry. Joel and I had a bet. You're you, you're a big Rays fan. Joel and I had a bet for our Brewers and
0: Reds. And if I lost the bet, I had to wear a shirt of Joel's choice. This oh, is and this is this is no. what he brought in. I I, I tried oh. to give him a way out, Coach. I did. I, there's there's there's, a, there's a, a much bigger shirt. That, but, but KB being a good sport, he went for the tank top. I mean, on on, on the
2: 95-degree <laughs> days that we had, the James, not with the official. <laughs> James uh, Board's got an official <laughs> camera that he's now taking shots the arm, the of. The arms are horrific, uh. man.
3: Like, I, <laughs> have my, you, my Rays are
2: rallying. Rays are rallying,
3: hey, says Rick, Coach v- Venturi. Venturi.
1: and I could make a wager on the Orioles, the cute fella, in the Rays in the East. Uh, Kevin, have you done any sort of, like, bicep <laughs> word- uh, <laughs> at all. No, I'm, I, I, I'm, ever?
2: I, I'm too afraid it'll uh, <laughs> impact my golf swing. You look like you need to put SPF 100 on those guns
0: you got right now, Kev.
2: <laughs> well, guns? That was a nice compliment from go. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Mark, I think if you got the HD version of the camera, you would not call them that. But that's true. I appreciate that well, It is
0: the Suns Out. That's the Suns Out, Guns Out, going to games shirt. That's what that's for. That is Yes, this is 100% that. Uh, well, Joel, based A- on
1: those arms, the sun ain't been out forever. <laughs> Joel,
2: well, I mean, Jake, do you want me to take my shirt off more? I mean, <laughs> oh, to good. be appalled
1: by it. I'm good. I, and we're, we're fine. We're doing just fine yeah. here.
2: Joel A. Erickson is with us here for the 8 Apple Star. Players starting to come out to practice. We'll continue to keep an eye on the availability of one Anthony Richard. Richardson here on this Tuesday, practice day, number five. Joel, I don't even know where to begin on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Um, Let's go here. What's next? What what are we waiting for next? I feel like it's potentially Taylor to either speak publicly or come off the pup list. I'm not holding my breath for either of those things to happen in the immediacy at all. What is next? Ultimately,
0: I think I think you're probably right. I think it's probably him coming off the pup list. Um, if he spoke, it would be kind of strange now because there was a sort of a, a thought that they, he wasn't going to speak until he came off the pup list. That's kind of what we were told. And then if he does that, then obviously it's going to be a bigger deal. So I, w- I would assume that he, him coming off the pup list is next unless some team wanted to trade for him. I don't know that that's likely. But it does feel like, uh, the, the hard part of this is, I'm sure you felt the same way. There were three times last week that I thought we were, okay, now we're in a holding pattern. And then something happened at 9.30 or 10 mm-hmm. p.m. Yeah. And and it, it went to a different place than I thought it was going to go. So I, I'm, I'm right now trying to figure out, what's, what's the weird thing that can happen that doesn't make sense to you or me in terms of what could happen next? Okay, so the question then becomes... Um, You know, when I watched
1: Taylor walk around yesterday, maybe it's power of suggestion in one's mind. He did look a little bit hobbled, I thought. Is the non-football injury list still in play, or are there too many, like, technical hoops that that would have to go through on that?
0: I I saw a suggestion from Ian Rappaport, and I I admit to not... I keep saying the NFL needs to give us a, a, a page where we can just look this stuff up, but... I, I saw him make the suggestion that they had to put him on nfi at the beginning of camp and i'm not entirely sure if that's true or if you can just slide somebody from the pup to the nfi once you've already done it um Seems difficult yeah see so, a lot of lawyers involved so and that's that's the other piece of this is i don't know after what happened the other night where you've got the suggestion of nfi and then taylor denying that he has a back injury uh, where you go from there is something that you just don't see in the NFL very often. I, I don't know what's I don't know what's next for that. Is it a grievance? Is it the NFLPA? Like, wh- like you said, lawyers is what is what. Would well, seem if I'm Jonathan the
1: Taylor, the second that I realize that a back injury might possibly put me on a list that cost me paychecks, I'm also then denied
0: that I have a back injury, right? Right, but if you did it after you've already reported that injury to the Colts, they but would, if you did, in theory you have documentation, but, right? But, correct, but
1: again, I go back to. I'm going to be this simple with it, Joel. Is it possible that Jonathan Taylor reported and said, hey, just so you guys know, like, man, I was working out. I, I did something to my back. And I want to get it looked at because I, I felt like a tangent. It, it still hurts. Then they do the MRI on it. Then, and they say, like, oh, you have an inflammation or whatever it might be. Then he comes out and says, like, you know, hey, look, I want to be traded. This, this brouhaha swells up. And the Colts say, oh, you know what? Actually, you now might qualify for the non-football injury list. And guess what? You wouldn't get paid if you go on that. And then Jonathan Taylor goes, oh, man, I never should have said anything.
0: I, I mean, I know that sounds like overly simplified, but isn't that possible? It, it's possible. I just don't know why you would publicly then say I never had a back injury.
1: Because, because you know if Jonathan Taylor doesn't have a back injury, Joel, there's no way they can put him on a non-football injury list. Right. right. And that costs him money. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, the second that you find out that a back injury might actually put you on a list that cost you money, then immediately you're saying, I never said that.
0: Man, that's a if that's what's if that's what's going on, that's just such a that's such a risky play. I, I, I assume that NFL medical staffs have to have everything documented. Especially with the PA and everything that goes in there. So if he if he suggested it I, I could be wrong. I, I don't we don't actually get a big window into how those medical things work. Um, but I, my assumption would be that if you publicly say I never had one and they have documentation then it's it would it, it would be a pretty risky play on my part but i i don't know i your your scenario is plausible i just it would be hard it would be hard for i'm having trouble wrapping my my head around if i was in this situation saying like knowing i just did it well the like other side four days be, ago and then okay the going other side
1: of it, it would be this then what motivation do the colts have to make that up so, so we've presented that Jonathan Taylor might have incentive to backtrack. What incentive do the Colts
0: have to, to make that up? To threaten the no pay. Just, to, just to have the threat out but there. But if there's of no documentation, because there's also the piece of, of the, the report that went, we're possibly going to put him in an FI. What, contemplating, the, I think it was the word. Yeah, why, why? Like, why are you? Why contemplating? Why not just do it? You know, like what was the possible of it? It felt like, it, to me, it felt like a threat in the moment.
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, again, Joel e. Erickson's with us here from the start. Do you want me to watch this, Joel? <laughs>
1: already, yes. I can tell you right now, yes. I appreciate
2: James Boyd tweeting out a picture of you, Kev, by the way. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so such a quality out. photo that James has. I'm well, a little James has that big camera. I know. That thing is the demise of me. I you, you like I'm know. Back in like I'm back in college at the bars trying to avoid my friends. You, you, know what, Rick, um, you know what Rick Venturi said when he turned around the corner and saw you in that tank top?
1: possession <laughs> oh, oh, into <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh that's so good that is the parting of sea uh, J- uh joel with on the jalen hurts touchdown that was okay. rick venturi's reaction okay. to jalen hurts uh waltzing
0: into the end zone back there in that november game this with is, the eagles this is after my son uh tried to scare you or something yesterday i know
2: he practice. did he frightened me i know in in, in
0: in the media center yeah
2: yeah that was uh that gave me a good laugh. Um, Back in June Johnson Taylor was frustrated So before any supposed yeah. Back issue He was frustrated in June And I'm trying to make sense of what has changed in the Colts' mindset. They drafted Jonathan Taylor in round two of the 2020 draft. He is on the side of their stadium. Mm -hmm. Jim Irsay was on the Zoom call the night, day two of that NFL draft, telling Chris Ballard, you love this guy, you trade up for him. He was encouraging his GM to do that. Now here we are three years later. So what has changed in the Colts' thought process in regards to a running back, in regards to a run game? Go ahead and give me your answer. But I'll also throw out there, where does Shane Steichen
0: play a role in all this? So uh, I was going to actually go in that direction because back in March when we were at the owners' meetings, um, one of the interesting things was, and one of the reasons that I thought that Taylor would get extended was that in our sit-down with Jim Irsay, he mentioned Jonathan Taylor being special several times in that in that talk and how getting him back to healthy was so critical for this season going forward. like you're Essentially saying this is our offensive guy to go with Um, and and I I do wonder with with Shane Steichen because Chris Ballard did say last week you know we want to get through this season and see what the coaches think of these guys now that maybe we're extrapolating Ursay kind of said the same thing the other night too a little bit of like do, do the coaches want to see something it's one of those things where like it does feel like there's been a shift and the shift is either we they kind of said we're rebuilding without saying they're rebuilding too. Like that was a big part of what Ursa was saying the other day. Was he was like, "We've got to see where Anthony is. We like if you're gauging where you are with a rookie quarterback and not filling certain positions, that's—it's it's if you're not rebuilding, you're rebuilding yeah, uh-huh. adjacent. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so that, I think that's part of it—is not feeling like they're. They're necessarily a hundred percent in the mix, regardless of what they've, of what Ursae said about division titles. And then I think the other thing is, I, 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 I have wondered too the same thing you're wondering, like what role does Steichen play in this? Why did both of them say we've got to let the coaching staff see what we've got here? When like, I mean, I know coaches say that all the time. But you have three years of film, like, and those guys know how to watch it better than we do. I, th- I think they know what they've got in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, when he first got here and did his introductory press conference, was talking about he really wanted to work with a guy like this and see what it could be like when you have an elite back. Like, that sounds like a guy who knows what he's got there. There's, there's some, some question marks I have there, like, especially with knowing that Frank Reich's rushing offense was super diverse. Like, they've seen Taylor do a lot of things.
1: And in addition to that, you know, Steichen, we'll get into this in a second. You got time to stick around, Joel? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what Shane Steichen might see in terms of Do I need sunscreen, Taylor. Brett. Is Taylor needed for Richardson? Richardson needed for Taylor, is Brett, we'll a weight room that.
2: aficionado, Brett Bensley from Fox 59, just made the guns motion to me like I've got them.
1: <laughs> no. no. Did I mean, he not? No, I mean, he might have, but Thank you. no. It's not at all not at all, what he was meaning by. I'm going to
2: hit the bench press here during the break. We'll be back with Joel A. Erickson to round out the show here. Okay,
1: Joel A. Erickson from the Star is our guest. He is sitting right here. We have yet to see Anthony Richardson. His quarterbacks have worked their way out onto the field. Question for you, Joel, is this. When you look at Shane Steichen's offense, what he did in Philadelphia, Kevin has asked this a lot. I think it's a great question. As the Jonathan Taylor saga continues to brew, Is there any chance that Shane Steichen has influence of that, of saying, look, in terms of developing Anthony Richardson, I think we can do running back by committee. We don't need a stellar five-star guy behind him.
0: I I think it's possible. I mean, that's kind of where the NFL's gone. I, I don't know that I would agree that the guys they have behind them right now constitute... A, the kind of committee that makes up for it. Especially know?
1: after yesterday, right? Especially Before. after
0: Zach Moss breaks his arm. Now, it, you know, four to six weeks, you know, he could, in theory, be back for the season opener. But, like, Miles Sanders, who they had last year, I mean, I wouldn't put him on Taylor's level, but that's a good back. That's a good running back. Zach Moss is, is a guy who, I, I, albeit he did play well down the stretch for the Colts last year, but he spent three years in Buffalo unable to, to get the starting job. He doesn't really have the top-end speed, the explosiveness that... I mean, Steichen hasn't really tried to give us a whole lot on what he wants out of the offense, but I know he wants explosive plays. And when he talked about like what a running back could give you, a couple of months ago he was saying uh, A good running back gives you explosive plays When you don't have any And I would I would say Assuming that if your Richardson is starting You're not going to get quite as many explosives In the passing game as Jalen Hurts did Because number one you don't have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith Number two you have a rookie quarterback Instead of a guy in his third year of NFL development That one of the way to make up for some of those explosives Would be to have the elite running back Who can turn any carry into something Zach Moss ran a four six five forty. He's He's more of a bowling ball kind of workhorse type, then he is the guy who's going to run away from people.
2: Again, uh, players starting to, uh, really a ton of players now out to practice. I don't know. They set off a big cannon here? Yeah, I don't know know what that is. Get practice going. Uh, Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger, the two quarterbacks I see so far. Unless my eyes are missing, Anthony Richardson have not seen him out to practice. The update from Shane Steichen yesterday was... The glare of your forearms is probably blinding you. (laughs) uh, Shane uh, just made eye contact over here. I think he gave me a little head nod there. I think he was impressed by the guns as well. Um, Bowling ball, they could call me that, you know, Joel, if they they need something to fill in for Zach Moss. Uh, But the update yesterday was they were hoping for today, the return for Richardson, but worst case scenario would be Thursday. Again, no practice for the Colts coming up tomorrow. Getting back to the Taylor conversation. Walking away Saturday night from Jim Mersey over here, about 30 yards from us, I thought to myself, if both sides are as dug in as they are, and you're not going to pay Taylor potentially anytime soon, don't you have to try and extend Michael Pittman right now?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I, I would think so. Because the
2: fear there, Joel, is all of a sudden, let's say Pittman has a great year, mm-hmm. and now he really wants to test the market. Or if you know he has a – do I see Richardson out there? Looks like he is out there. Richardson, out there. Richardson out helmet there. on. Um, looks like he will be giving it a go today. Um Let's say, you know, whatever, things go great or things go horrible, and, you know, he doesn't like, you know, whatever, how Anthony Richardson's throwing the football. I just don't think you can get to next, you know, April, Joel, and all of a sudden you're looking at a depth chart that is Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, Mo Alley Cox, Jelani Woods, and Deion Jackson as your skill players around Richardson. That is a thought that I had of like, okay, Taylor looks to be done, and maybe I'm, you know, too aggressive with that statement, but don't you got to move quickly with Pittman?
0: I, I think. If you can. I think you want to. I. I think the question is kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, does Michael Pittman want to move now when, if he has a big season, like that's, that's a position where he knows what he's, what he can get paid. And he knows that the ceiling might explode on him before he gets there. You know, I mean, Christian Kirk got the deal he got from Jacksonville. And if you look at the numbers of what they'd done prior to their previously in their careers, Michael Pittman has been more productive in his career so far than Kirk has, which we can debate like, you know, skills and talents and going deep and all that stuff, but that's how contracts get done is the numbers in front of them. So like from a Pittman standpoint, it's it's maybe the same thing. Maybe he's sitting there and thinking, if I have a big year here, I might really get into the big money.
1: And you know, Kirk actually turned out at the time. I remember people rolled their eyes at that. And it's a good deal for a good them. Deal, yeah. yeah. By, well, by the time it was said and done, it was pretty. He had his
2: biggest player. year there last year. And, and I've said this endlessly, endlessly about what Jacksonville did last year. Whether it was Zay Jones, whether it was Evan Ingram, whether it was Christian Kirk. For three months, the NFL world ridiculed them for overpaying, but. I am such a proponent of when you have these young quarterbacks, these are the fragile moments of their NFL careers. This is where you have to get them right. Because if you don't get them right now, you are never going to get them right. And I think that's what Jacksonville looked at. Doug Peterson and them came in and said, all right, last year was an absolute disaster on and off the field for our quarterback. We've got to get him right here. Dave Calabro just totally invading <laughs> my space by ta- <laughs> taking a picture here. Those are beautiful arms.
3: Right? <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely beautiful arms. I
2: just had to see it in person. Thank you day for that. Beautiful arms is how Dave Clapper, a man of just elite physique and and looks. Jake, I think, is a little jealous of the old gun gun show here. Okay, (laughs) sure. That's it. Are you heading to work out after the show?
0: I'm f- I'm almost 51 years old, Kevin. <laughs>
1: I, I'm, I did, just, I'm just happy that I can, you know what I mean, that, that I was going to gonna point
0: out that K- KB said he was going to do bench press after this, but that's that's that doesn't help the guns actually. That's more of a, a back and chest no, thing. That's correct. That, <laughs>
2: that is thank help you. <laughs> Head of the cult strength staff here. <laughs>
0: Joel Erickson.
2: Uh, Joel, what else are we watching for? I, I do think we're kind of reaching a point with Juju Brents It's like, it'd be pretty good to get on the field. I mean, we're oh. talking five now
0: practices. We'll see if he practices today, but there's some other corners that I think have started to entrench themselves. The, the cornerback situation with, with Rush also being down, uh, we've seen a little bit from Daryl Baker. Uh, he made two nice plays yesterday, but I keep going back to the one-on-one session that we saw, the only one-on-one that we've seen from them against the receivers. The, the receiver's should should win a lot of routes in that. But I had the receivers winning 18 of them, 18 of the 23, and three of those were misfires from the by the quarterback, incomplete. There was only two PBUs in it. And I, I kind of feel... PBU being? Pass breakup. Okay. Uh, and there were only, so there were only, like, a couple of plays there, and it was Kenny Moore and Jalen Jones where the two corners were pretty competitive in that in that drill. I keep thinking, the longer this goes, and it's a, it's a hamstring for Brents, those tend to linger, the longer this goes, like... Not only is it tougher for Branski to get on the field, but the more worried I am about the quotes cornerback situation going forward.
1: I mean, and that's an area, Joel, as I've said a million times. My, my, my patented line, cell phone chargers and sunglasses, that's offensive linemen and cornerbacks. You can never have too many. Never. Well, especially in today's NFL.
0: And, and this pass rush that they've built, they, they've – Kind of feel like they've gotten, you know, a fairly deep pass rush. They've got a lot of guys who they think can maybe do something this year. They're not going to do anything if the cornerbacks can't cover right away. You know, like the whole rush and cover thing. Rush is supposed to affect the cover, but cover is also exposed to affect the rush in terms of if if there's a, a place for the guy to throw right away, rush can't get home. Some members of the nat- some members of the national media here, kind of looking at me <laughs> with this. This has
2: not been my fondest <laughs> moment here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're highly impressed. I do think that guy right there, number 23 in white, is at a nice camp. That would be Kenny Moore.
0: Yeah, Kenny Moore's been great. Yeah. Ken- Kenny Moore has looked um – Kind of like we expect him to look in terms of he's got his hand he's got his hands on the ball a lot um, I, I keep joking that hopefully Shane Steichen is just running stuff because the dumbest play I've ever seen anybody run is a, a bubble screen to Kenny Moore's side oh, no we've seen immediately a couple blow of those. Up.
2: <laughs> immediate immediate blow up Joel thanks for the shirt yeah. we'll get it back to you after a couple <laughs> <of> washes. <Okay. laughs> Uh, Tomorrow we'll be back in studio. Reggie Wayne is going to (laughs) join us. Uh, Looking forward to that conversation with the Colts whiteouts coach. If you missed it earlier, EJ Speed and Tony Stewart with us and along with Joel A. Erickson. That will be on the best of 107.5. The fan has all of your Colts coverage. Again, we'll be back up here on Thursday. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's about a month from now, as a matter of
1: fact, as we are at Grand Park for Colts Camp, a lot of attention will be out on the west side for the U.S. Nationals, which, as I have always said, and it probably, for those that are involved in it, they get tired of hearing it, but it's true. The Super Bowl of drag racing, the Indy 500, whatever you want to call it, uh, it is the biggest and the best, and it is all coming up Labor Day weekend. And to talk about that, to promote it, a guy who has decided to dabble his toes into, and not just, here's the thing, Tony Stewart, like you didn't decide just to kind of experiment when it comes to um you know drag strip racing you just decided to go all in which i kind of love uh first off thanks for
3: joining us man it's good to talk to you thanks yeah i, I would say uh, dabble was an understatement for sure we uh <laughs> we might have just dipped one toe and said mm, this doesn't feel too bad and then just dove head first but um yeah i'm really enjoying this it's um it's been a lot of fun to meet leah uh started going to some of her races she was going to my races and uh you know that that evolved into going to drag racing school just to kind of get a better understanding of what she's talking about from behind the steering wheel and uh here we are another year down the road after that and now i'm driving on top alcohol dragster
1: you're married, you you own cars, you're, you're running in it. The Dodge Power Brokers, NHRA U.S. Nationals, by the way, is what we're talking about. I, I want to begin with this. I, you have obviously, Tony Stewart, been able to race anything. And it's one of the things, I you know, you I know how much you look up to A.J. Foyt and just the versatility of that. Is there anything at all that translated, other than just having your hands on a steering wheel, towards learning how to race in this discipline of racing?
3: it is drastically different and, it, and you wouldn't think it would be i mean i i've been racing my entire life obviously and and i remember watching the drag races and like i, I always thought they fired up they do a burnout they back up the engine tuners twist the knobs and and then they send them up and they go and there's way more to it than that so to your point though the the driving side when you hit the gas i mean your your instincts kick in just like they would any other race car but I think the thing that's, that people don't realize is how intense just the procedure and the cadence of the procedure. Uh, everything you do, you have to do correctly, and you've got four or five guys around the car the whole time that it's running, and you're you're in the front part of the car. So uh, to sit there and every, everything motor and everything's behind you and all those guys, and you're responsible for their safety too. So just making sure you do everything correct is uh you know a big part of what we do in drag racing and and the focus it's just a different mindset and it's a different skill set that you have to have to do drag racing.
2: It's racing legend in Indiana, native Tony Stewart. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, again, along with the NHRA Nationals coming up. Obviously here, what, a week from Sunday, Jake, we've got uh, the Brickyard that will be over at IMS. We have seen a change to the road course here in recent years. Tony, if uh, you got to make the decision, would you like to see the Brickyard on the oval or on the road course over at IMS?
3: I'm a traditionalist, and I'm old school. I want the oval all day long. (laughs) <laughs> well, you had pretty
1: good success on it, no question
3: about that, right? Yeah, I had two good Brickyard wins. Um, you know, and that there's nothing that beats winning at home and, you know, having your family and your friends there and being able to celebrate uh, after a win at, at Indy. So uh, that's always been the holy grail to me. Um, you know, always will be. So uh, there's just something about winning at home that, that makes it even that much more special. You know, I remember, Tony...
1: And I can't recall whether it was your first or second win out there. But I do remember watching it. And I think he went past the turn two suites. And as a kid also that grew up in Indianapolis and always, you know, just had dreams about the Indy 500 in particular. But I think I felt to an extent, I can't pretend to know what it was like to be in the car. But I think I felt like what that would feel like. Just the pride of an Indiana guy winning there, right? So I'm curious does that same thing translate for you with the U.S. Nationals? Because I, I, I hope that people realize just exactly within the sport that you're now involved in how big the event in Indianapolis is in respect
3: to that sport. Yeah, you're 1,000% spot on. It's, uh, and you said it at the at the beginning of this. It's, it is the Super Bowl. It's the Indy 500. It's the Daytona 500. It is NHRA Drag Racing's biggest event of the year. This is the one that if you... Say, uh, I'm, I get to win one race during the year. Which one do I want it to be? This is absolutely that race. Um, it's that big. It's five days of every class that NHRA has out there competing. And, uh, you know, it makes it fun for me because I get to race out there, not at the same time, obviously, <laughs> as my wife and, and Matt Hagan that drives our funny car. But, you know, to run the top alcohol class there and to know that I'm racing for the same trophy that the top fuel and funny car guys are running for, uh, it is, it's that prestigious that uh, it, it will have the same feel as a Brickyard win if we were lucky enough to, to finish it off.
1: How is that balance, Tony, in terms of, you know, you have obviously had experience in being a, an owner that is also racing and, and having to balance that, but then you add into that the fact that it's your wife and, you know, do, do you guys separate it when you go home? Do you, do you sit there and all of a sudden at the dinner table you say, like, listen, I mean, what happened on that run? I mean, take me through how all of that kind of works out.
3: Yeah, I, I've had to think about that quite a bit, actually, because, uh, yeah, you have to have separation between being the husband and, and being the car owner. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of it, It's the funny thing that I've told a lot of people is that, being married to Leah and being around her and seeing her intensity when she races, it is, it is like looking back in time, 17 years at myself. So, um, when things happen, it's like, I know exactly where my mindset would have been as a driver. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good time to go ask her what happened. <laughs> I go, I go to the other pit and go, uh, talk to Matt Hagen for a while, but it's, uh, it, it is, it's a challenge. Uh, it's also, very rewarding as well i mean when you get to to do what you love doing in motorsports and get to do it with your wife i don't know how it gets any better than that we we both love racing in general um obviously she's been a drag racer her entire life i'm new to it but when i started going to the races with her it was like setting a hook i i fell in love with it myself uh, still love everything else that we do but really love this sport so uh yeah there's those times though when when I'm still in car owner mode and I'm like I need to sit and think about what I'm going to say before I say it because that's going to be the difference between sleeping on the bed or sleeping on the couch.
2: (laughs) Boy, we can all relate to the couch with that one. Tony Stewart's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony, my extent in a racing vehicle of any kind is as a passenger with Mario Andretti, two seater, two laps around uh, the oval there at IMS, I was absolutely just in awe getting out of that car thinking how in the world could anyone do that for you know 200 laps let alone 32 other cars around them et cetera? Et cetera. and you lo and behold do that and then also do the do, do the double um with a coca-cola 600 at the same time later i should say later that day what is the part of that that you think maybe either doesn't get talked about enough or the part that was the most strenuous for you in accomplishing that
3: I think it was both physically and mentally being prepared. Uh, the first time we did the double was in 99. And uh, I was part owner in the IndyCar team. And, you know, obviously, everybody's seen me for years. They know I'm not the guy that's, you know, at five o'clock beating the door down at the gym to go work out in the morning. So, uh, you know, for me, the first year, it was really difficult to be physically prepared. I, I mean, I thought I thought I was ready to go. I felt like I was race fit. But what I didn't understand was the nutrients and the nutrition side that I needed to pay attention to uh, to be able to do both of those events. So uh, in 2001, when I did it the second time, uh, we hired a trainer from the Carolina Panthers football team that was with me for three and a half weeks straight. And uh, everything that I ate, drank, he had it documented. I mean, he wrote everything down, but he he dictated what I what I ate and drank, uh, I literally lost six pounds in the three and a half weeks just from what he was feeding me versus what I wanted to eat. Uh, but I was in way better shape the second time around. We ran the 500, ran six, uh, got in the airplane to get IV fluids in you, um, give you food that they want you to eat for, I mean, I had a, I had a rice crispy treat bar, uh, and I didn't understand if there was something in that, that that's what they wanted to get in my system for the, for the 600 in Charlotte. But uh, I finished third at the 600 and, and felt like I could have ran another race that night. So I mean, it, the, the training part of it was a huge asset in our success the second time around.
1: Speaking of conditioning, Tony, I saw a photo of you recently. It looks like you're, you're getting back into shape, actually. And so that made me curious. If I'm not mistaken, your first NHRA win was in Vegas. I, I could be wrong in that. But um, when you won, did you were you able to go to Dairy Queen and celebrate? Because don't you like to go to Dairy Queen to celebrate a win?
3: Yeah, you're right. I did win at Vegas. That was my first win last uh, or this spring. But, um, yeah, we... Have, the the local dairy queen there's two of them in town they're two different owners too but the one that sponsored me when i was nine years old he still owns it he uh doesn't get around quite as good as he used to uh when i was eight years old but uh he's still at that at that store every day daughter runs it and, and uh he's he's there working like he always has he just doesn't work quite as fast but we still uh we still go in there at lunch with the with the rest of the Liars Club and, and have a good time uh, bench racing and telling stories. And uh, once about every five or six trips there, he'll break down and give me a free uh, chocolate shake. So uh, you know, I'm, I might be <laughs> making a go. GoPro if I'm not sure.
1: Hey, Tony, I know you got a busy day, so we'll let you go here in a second, but I did want to ask you also, again, Tony Stewart is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Labor Day weekend is when the Dodge Power Brokers, NHRA, U.S. Nationals will be taking place. Tony will be out there in his top alcohol dragster, his wife, and, of course, his team as well, three different levels that you can see him racing. Uh, but in terms of next weekend, just your overall thoughts right now. I know Chase Briscoe ran really well on the road course a year ago, but just where your team is right now in – in cup and where you would like to see improvement
3: well we're kind of handcuffed to a certain degree i mean they've they've got the rules package so tight that we can't sit there and fix problems that we know we have it's uh you know they've just got the the box that tight now but i'm, I'm really proud of our group uh, all four drivers ran well uh, all four more in the top 11 this past weekend at uh, richmond so um you know, I know obviously for Chase, it's a home race just like it was for me, and it means a lot to him. And he's a very good road course driver. So, uh, you know, his first year there, he, he had a shot to win it and got pushed off the racetrack. But, um, you know, guys like Kevin are good road course racers. Eric won at Sonoma in the Xfinity car this year. We've got guys that know how to road race. We just got to be able to give them what they need to do to get the job done. But, you uh, at least we were encouraged this weekend by Richmond where it's not a big track. It's more that short track feel, and that's that's what you get with road courses. You kind of use some of those uh, same setups and techniques to get the car working there as well. So I'm excited about it.
1: So what changes would you like to see that
3: would loosen up those handcuffs a little bit for your team? <laughs> Change all the officials in NASCAR would be the start. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're the rule makers, but uh, no, it's a tough job. I mean, it, it, running a sanctioning body is very tough but um you know they've just got the you're, you're kind of stuck at whatever the manufacturer submitted for uh, arrow and uh, you know we're, we're just a little bit behind in that so we're having to try to find other ways to compensate for and it's it's uh, much tougher than people think
1: well tony from the indianapolis zoo to riley children's hospital to basically anywhere that you go around central indiana i know of the privately and quietly and without the request of things exactly like that of public mention for it the things that you've done for people around central indiana so certainly uh hope that central indiana can pay you back by helping you get a win out at the u.s nationals and helping you continue to to grow that career and appreciate your time this morning
3: well, nothing would be better than to celebrate with our hometown fans so uh, look forward to seeing everybody out there and man we uh, i'd say if we get lucky enough to win the u.s nationals and top alcohol dragster we will have one hell of a party that night so we'll make it a, a very special labor day weekend for sure chocolate shakes for everybody baby yeah i might have to spice it up even a little more than that we might have to throw a throw extra in it <laughs> top alcohol chocolate shakes for everybody no need to
2: sleep on the couch that night right
1: that's right <laughs>
2: thanks tony
3: appreciate it guys thank you